Dotnet Rocks episode 670 with guests Colin Melia, Michael Hutchinson, and Robert McHale, recorded live Wednesday, June 1st, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Hey Montreal, welcome to .NET Rocks! I always thought Montreal was the rowdiest city oh, in wow. Canada. Now we've been. We did you come with us when we went to the hockey game? We saw the Habs I one year. Holy cow! I've never heard Montreal louder except right now. That was incredible. That was amazing. <laughs> A throng of people here at Dev Reach. Richard and I are here. It's Dev Teach, baby. Did I say Dev Reach? <laughs> Wrong show. Uh, Bulgaria, Canada. It, uh, you know. It's almost the same, but you it's know, one letter off. One letter and two letters in the alphabet. So we're here in Montreal at Dev Teach. Talking uh, to a panel of esteemed experts in mobile development, let's introduce them. We have a couple. Start at the far end, the guy in the mono shirt. Uh, I'm Michael Hutchinson. Uh, I was formerly at Novell, where I was responsible for building the tooling for Monotouch and Mono for Android. Can we call it Monodroid? Uh, that wasn't actually the name. Oh, this droid's got a copyright on it, right? Oh, yeah, there were, there were Mono issues. for Android. That's good enough. Yeah. We know what it is. Okay. And, Colin? Colin. and I'm Colin Millier, the principal architect at Ace of Clowns, and I'm a Silverlight MVP and a Microsoft regional director, and currently in the process of spitting out a few hundred Windows Phone 7 apps. Wow. And uh, we uh, we may be joined here later uh, by a couple more people, but um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll just uh, let the conversation roll. I I think we gotta at least touch on the fact that Michael is no longer with Novell because Novell is no, it's not the Novells no more. They got acquired by Attachmate, right? Uh, yes, a, a few weeks ago Novell was acquired by Attachmate, and uh, subsequently. Uh, the mono engineers were laid off, and right. that includes me. So uh, all the mono engineers? Yeah. So mono is... And Miguel. Homeless? And well, Miguel as well, yes. Now, there's been an announcement already that there's a new company formed uh, that Miguel's involved with, with some new funding. I can't, it's called Xamarin? Uh, yes, Xamarin. 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 And so it, these are early days, but obviously good things are happening. But uh, I think the blog post that... That Miguel put out sort of said it all. They're gonna they're gonna make a go on the mono uh, for Android, mono for, and I don't want to put Michael in an awkward situation here because obviously he's between jobs and we don't want to impair that wherever he ends up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully someplace good, uh, but they're obviously going on. So the products are going to continue. Okay. I'm excited for them. Yeah. I think in some ways, I mean, I was glad that Novell gave no- mono a home, mm-hmm. but I'm even more excited to see them doing their own thing. Yeah. So, well, that's good. So I, we'll, I think we'll have Miguel on, on absolutely sometime in the immediate future Let's to call talk him about right now. Let's actually, get him on the phone. No. <laughs> we got this guy who really needs a job, Miguel. Come on, man! Wouldn't that be funny if I could just call him up? I, I think I have his number. Still. <laughs> All right, you guys talk for a minute. But let's uh, let's let's leave that. Uh, as, is that about as much as you could say about that at this point? Uh, yeah, I can't really say much. But there's definitely Miguel's blog post if you want to go and read that. And I'm sure by the time 
by the time this comes out, there will be more information. More information. Yeah. But Mono is not gone. The, the core original Mono product, which was the Linux implementation of .NET, is part of that. Yeah, well, huge amounts of Mono are open source. It's only really proprietary products that are still owned by Attachmate. Right. But, but, but the open source stuff, uh, uh, the Mono Core, things like Mo- Mono Mac, Mono Develop, and so on, mm-hmm. those had contribute, have contributors other than Novell. Uh, they always have. Yeah, yeah. I'm still contributing to Mono Develop myself. Well, what else did you do? You're unemployed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you out of Utah? I mean, that's where Novell is, right? Uh, no, I, I've been in Boston in the past, uh, okay. for the past three and a half years, uh, in the same office as Miguel and a couple other, a couple of others on the Mono team. We have a very, very distributed team, mostly around the world. I sure. think, I think Boston, Cambridge was, was our biggest office. Mm-hmm. There were about six of us there. Cool. Okay. And I definitely want to talk more about the, the Mono products, just so that they, they're in an interesting position. I'm really glad you're here talking to us. Have you noticed that your panel is actually all British? Have you noticed yeah, this? what's up with that? So the other, I thought you were an Australian. Okay, not with hair like that. Okay. Uh, Colin is a friend of mine and a fellow RD, but you better introduce yourself, my, my friend, and tell folks who again, you are. Again? You, again. Again. Okay, so Colin Mealy, I live in Ottawa in Canada. I've been here for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Still stubborn, keeping hold of the accent. Hang on, England, so yeah. you think you'd have a French-Canadian accent by now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but I'm kind of loving it here in Montreal. It's a nice place. We've been out last when night, going out One of tonight. the greatest cities in the yeah. world. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. And the women, oh my God, <laughs> I can't drink a cup of coffee anymore. I'm looking around. Yeah, they give you whiplash for sure. So, and you're, you're, you do the phone seven thing. That's right. Yeah. In, in a big way. Mm-hmm. So you literally talking about building hundreds of apps. Yeah. What are you building? Um, at the moment, we're building like transit apps, which applies to many cities, and there's different variations on those. Oh, sure. Um, there are a lot of things you can do around cities that allow you to produce a number of apps. It's kind of interesting pumping out a large number of apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's no actual way to automate uploading apps to Marketplace right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm actually being the, the upload monkey. You know, so. On DNR TV, you showed a, uh, at dnrtv.com, you showed a app that you wrote for the Windows Phone that had all the sorts of traffic data and things, I think, that used OData. Yeah, that was the same. Actually, this, the root of this application from almost a year ago, we did that demo. Yeah. And that was a Windows Phone and Azure demo combination. The cool thing about that was the whole database was running on my desktop, and that was actually being pushed out to the cloud, into the Azure cloud, and you can connect from the Windows Phone 7 application to that cloud endpoint, but it's actually pulling the data from my desktop in my house. That's crazy. So, you know, that's using uh, Windows Azure Service Bus, actually. It's pretty and cool. tell us just a little bit about that app, what you could do with it. Oh, so th- this one's, um, uh, with Windows apps or generally mobile apps, you usually want to answer a simple question. Like, you don't want to make it too complicated. You, it's a, you know, especially with Windows Phone, it's a glanceable operating system. Yeah. Right? So this one is particularly answered the question, when does the next bus trip come near me, you know, right now? Yeah. So if I load up the app, I actually, I actually see the bus stops near me using the GPS location services in the phone, which is pretty good on Windows. Even without the GPS kicking in, it'll find Wi-Fi hotspots and cell towers and look at a Microsoft database and get what you need to have. Um, and it basically lists the, from the data it has. Uh, there's actually 
6,000 bus stops in Ottawa. There's about, uh, I think about 12,000 in Toronto. That's actually the biggest one, public data set. Wow. And it goes through those and finds out the nearest one, or you can search through the ones you've got. It tells you the next trip's coming up and it actually live kind of tweaks through the time as, you know, tells you the next bus in two minutes. It's like watching the overhead signs at a bus stop yeah. when they update. When they have those fancy automated Yeah, signs. when they have those. But this I, way, see, the thing in Ottawa, you always have to dial a 561,000. And I like my kids are always dialing 561,000 because there's a bus stop outside the house. Right. And they type in the bus stop code to find out when the next bus is coming. Oh. And you see, now they just pull out the app and there we go. They know straight away. Oh. So it answers the question immediately when's the next bus come. So 561,000 is telephone number? That's okay. the telephone number in Ottawa you dial to get the, to and get you type in your, yeah. yeah. Now you don't have to do that. Ah, good. You ruined that whole service. Yeah, I know. What were you thinking? Well, yeah. Had you done any mobile app development before Windows Phone 7? Um, not particularly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I had I'd actually done stuff like three or four years ago uh, for a UK customer, which was actually on Windows Mobile. Yeah. And that was quite good fun. We were actually trying to do offline caching of an application that was web browser based. So we we're doing asynchronous protocol plugins, if anybody knows what one of those things yeah. is. So that was, that's quite good fun as well. So let, moving to Windows Phone 7, what was the biggest challenge in developing these applications or was it, was it all just pure, pure butter? Well, it was, it's new stuff, right? And I'm, you know, I'm a, a Microsoft MVP for Silverlight. Mm. And there are two main development way targets or platforms on the phone. One is Silverlight and one is XNA for writing games. And in yeah. fact, now in the upcoming release, they're merged together. So you can actually have 3D graphics with like controls on top, you know, yeah. visual controls on top of them. It's yeah. kind of cool. And uh, so really for me, it was, it was quite easy moving across, especially having done some cloud related stuff yeah. and some training. It's quite easy to get started with Silverlight.net, which is the basis of Silverlight as well. So have you tried developing for mobile devices on other platforms, Android or iPhone? or? I will have to admit that I've looked at it and I've kind of walked away. Um, yeah. I know that there's been various comparisons and everybody's comparison is going to be different. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been lots of comparisons saying, well, hey, you know, if you're .NET developer, you can get right into doing this already. Yeah. Everybody tells the story about how Objective-C is a whole other thing you have to learn. I mean, but people go to, will go to Lens to do stuff. I mean, let's be clear here. The market for iPhone compared to Windows phone is, you know, well, night and day, right? The way yeah. I think about it is a whole bunch of C++ programmers suddenly had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it generated a bunch of new ones too. I mean, people yeah. will learn what they need to learn one way or the other. But you know, Michael's here to save us because he'll he'll let us build apps for iPhone and and in Android with with in C Sharp. Thank tell you, us, Michael. Tell us about that. Was that. all you, right? Uh, I just did the the tooling, but I was part of a great team who, mm -hmm. who really put together. Let's start really, at the beginning. A really great product. And tell us all about. Monophone, uh, right mono, back from the beginning of Monotouch. Yeah, that's the one that start, you started uh, out with, right? That yeah, that, that was that was about almost two years ago, I think, that that we started developing that. Um, we took the Mono Runtime, which is a .NET compatible VM, so you can run the same code that you run on dot, on .NET on mm -hmm. on Mono, and we ported that to the iPhone. And so you could run your core code on the iPhone, but we then had to build a UI library so you, you could use the actual same APIs that you have in, in Objective-C. You could use those from C-sharp. And then this would compile down to an iPhone app that's completely indistinguishable from the user's point of view from, from an Objective-C app. And that was Coco is the libraries? Uh, for on UI? iPhone, it's Coco Touch. Coco Touch. Coco okay. is the 
desktop one. All right. Uh, though we also have MonoMac, which is a Cocoa interface for desktop, so you can build native Mac apps with Mono. Right. As we well. did we yeah. did the show with Miguel about right. that. So the mono, thing, you guys are going mono. It's interesting that you've, you've just taken this mono thing and gone in so many interesting directions with it to to compile all these different platforms. And we have Moonlight. Yeah. Which is the Silverlight version, right? The Silverlight yeah. version. So uh, whenever we talk about mono on the show, I always want to know what's the current state of the technology because, um, you know, you guys are always usually trailing the technology that Microsoft puts out because it takes you a lot more time. To do stuff. So where are we at with all of these technologies in terms of lay levels of .NET versioning and features? Um, generally, we're not really trailing uh, by by much at all. Okay. I mean, right now the core class libraries and VM of a fully .NET four compatible. Wow. Um, full C sharp four support. Wow. Uh, in fact, our compiler guy Marek just. Uh, Checked in initial support for C Sharp Five async. Wow, awesome! And are we talking full full features? I mean, minus the things that are Windows specific. But yeah, there are a bunch of specific things that we. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, full yeah, all the link stuff, link to objects, link to to XML. We've had that. We've had that for a couple of years now. Um, oh, generally, we have like m- most of the features in place before .NET actually goes really? release. Um, we implement them while it's still in betas and release candidates and so on. That's great. Yeah, it's it's astonishing, Michael. Really, like just the the amount of work you guys have to do. But stuff like WPF. Uh, yes, we don't we don't have that. It's 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 too big. Well, really. and it's also Windows specific, right? And um, ideas to be platform yeah, agnostic. Yeah. Um, in theory, you could build a cross-platform implementation of it, but there hasn't been that much t- demand, and it's just huge. Yeah. And and as far as Moonlight goes, where's the Silverlight level of compatibility up to? Uh, Moonlight is, I think it's pretty much feature complete for Silverlight 4, but I'm not sure whether that's been released or not yet. Really close. Uh, yeah. Wow. And what are we missing? Um, the the Mono Mac is all based on you know C sharp four compatibility. Uh, yes. So Mono has a bunch of things that .NET doesn't have, uh, like Mono Mac, which is the interface to the Mac UI libraries. There's GTK Sharp, which is the interface to the Linux UI libraries. Right. Um, there's Mono.simd, which is hardware accelerated SSE um, vector math. Mm. Um, there are a bunch of a bunch of very cool things that we have. Uh, oh, coroutines support in the runtime. Great. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's not just copying .NET. Right. We try and do a lot of very very cool things as well to bring Mono to as many people as 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 possible. And is C sharp the only language that we use in Mono? Um. It's the only language that we build a compiler for, but Microsoft has open sourced the F sharp compiler, uh, and that works fine on mono. Uh, we have a VB compiler. It's nowhere near as complete as the C sharp compiler. Um, there's also Microsoft's, uh, Iron Ruby and Iron Python that they open sourced. Um, we actually ship all of those with, with mono. And we've abandoned Windows Forms, right? I think there was multiple versions of different technologies, and it just turned 
would tell us the story. Um, yeah, Mono has an implementation of Windows Forms, uh, which 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 works fairly well, except for um, there are just lots of corner cases and things that don't work yeah. quite right, and it just doesn't look native. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a Windows ninety five app, which yeah. which makes Mac users absolutely horrified. Angry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Well, we've been just joined by Robert McHale. Uh, passing the microphone there, and Robert, introduce yourself to, uh, to our audience. So my name is Roberto Macaroni. <laughs> no, it's actually uh, Mikhail. It's Irish, and uh, yeah, uh, Carl and I bumped bumped into each other earlier earlier today, and I couldn't help but but remember my first impression impression of Richard Campbell, and it was 1997. Oh man! And I don't know, so that's 15, roughly. Yeah, pretty close to 15 years. He actually, yeah. soft, you said. He, he actually looks the same. He hasn't changed. His... <laughs> I've looked the same since I was 15. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. His, his 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 he's a little more mellow now, but. Um, <laughs> Which is hard to imagine. That's I know. really yeah. hard to imagine. <laughs> we were staying at the Marriott Courtyard at Microsoft at Redmond Campus, and we were teaching Visual Studio 1.0. And um, all I can remember is this first impression of Richard Campbell. Every night we went to dinner together. Canadian jokes. Canadian jokes. <laughs> Canadian jokes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So if you're you, Irish, glad, glad you, to be here. if you're you said Irish descent. Yes, Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama and me are all Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can I kind of keep the whole kind of UK thing going? The UK thing's going. We've got all UK here. Uh, Is it Northern Ireland or real Ireland? You know, I actually did. I actually did this in uh, in elementary school homework reports. My my Dublin heritage, and I, I don't remember the actual hometown, but yeah. So in the general part of Ireland as opposed to North Northern Ireland, it. which let's, is quite real, I'm let's, sure. Let's, yeah, let's find it together. There you that, go. That should, be our, that should be our assignment. But yeah, but glad you, to be here. But you're thank, doing thank Android you. development? So yeah, so tomorrow, um, three talks on Android. Where's Lee? Where's Mr. Lee from Singapore? Is he here? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think he's got, I think he's got jet lag because he landed this morning and spoke like three times. Wow. He's like, you know, I asked him, what's the time difference? He says, well, you take the a.m. and make it p.m. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's the other side of the world. Yeah. So, yeah, he's probably yeah, a He's probably asleep up. right now. So a shout out to the smartest man 
uh, in Singapore. He's here. So you're doing, you're literally switch hitting between .NET and, uh, and, well, and Android. Doing, is that all Java? So yeah, so Android is all Java and I've committed Richard to focus. I'm putting all my chips on the table on Android this year. Wow. So I did about a year of iPhone three and, uh, I know, I know less about iPhone four than this little guru guy here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy, uh, Android. I, I really feel happy. Um, thing about Android is that it looks to me that someone had the luxury to actually think through the process and see the big picture and put a lot of neat things into it. And some of it is a little bit clunky and it's, it's none of it's bad. I don't think it's a little techy though. I, I don't know if any of you have gone from Android from iPhone and had a little bit of a, a bump, like a speed bump, uh, in terms of development or in terms of using the phone? As far as, as far as being a user. Right. As far as being a developer, it's a luxury. It's like going into a Lexus. It's so easy and simple and clean. Um, compared to Silverlight? Compared to Objective-C. Compared to Objective-C, okay. On, on iPhone. Yeah. That's better. So I love it. I think it's really good. Yeah. So my father and my sister went to DroidX from iPhone, and I get just earfuls of why doesn't this work like it used to work on the iPhone. So, yeah. You know, I'm just the messenger. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't create it. <laughs> I didn't create it. As a developer though, it's just simple as as simplified as refined, I think architecturally as it could possibly be hmm. and that it has a great bright future. Well, do yeah. are you finding the market of Android phones fragmented? Do you run in I mean I hear <laughs> stories. I'm not an Android developer, but I hear yeah, stories. Richard, of, I I know you think that I know everything. Yeah. Um, well, you're a smart guy, Robert. I get that. <laughs> you remember jokes from 1997. That's saying something. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a uh, selective photographic memory, and I, I can't control it. But Richard Campbell and Canadian jokes are just yeah. He gets paid in beaver pelts oh, in his gosh. contract. But I could okay. trade him in two pelts for one Hudson's Bay blanket, so I'm in good shape. Really, you need a blanket? Yeah. I got blankets. You know, I don't know if you were there, but we <laughs> we did another thing, and I I assume that you're probably I don't remember the headcount of who was there, but. It was with Eric Ruthruff in a, in a speaker event night, and everybody ordered beer except for one person ordered milk. You, were you there? No. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So There's a milk joke in there somewhere. There's a milk joke. We don't know where it is. We'll talk about it later. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. It's a great digression. Well, so, and I, and now I've never done any Android programming. But I've, somebody told me that there was a, a bit of chaos in the, in the technology around Android that sort of it, people adding features and adding things to it that sort of was difficult to get, get to deal with. Maybe it was just in the early days. Was that a true, is that a true assessment or? Okay. Let me, let me, um, make a parallel, a universe analogy. Okay. Um, if I was Steve Jobs and I could control the hardware vendors for all products, yeah. I would believe that I could deliver 100% reliability all the time, which is not exactly true. But if I was Bill Gates and I trusted random yahoos throughout the world to develop hardware for an OS, and I was going to have to just roll with the punches and have more vendors and have all kinds of variety, mm. that's the path. It's the difference between right. uh, Android supports you know, anybody that wants to make hardware and anybody wants to modify the OS, anybody that wants to jump in and say they're the handler for any kind of an event to read a, read a document or to browse the web. It's such an open framework that right. the exposure to bumps in the road is a hundred percent open. 
where it's not. And on, on, on Apple, you have someone at the top saying that Adobe Flash is not reliable enough or right. Adobe Flash is not efficient enough. You know, if Adobe Flash is not at the bar of the standard, then where am I? You know, I'm. <laughs> well, I think I think in that exam- particular example, it was less about uh, good enough and more about you know what we want to support yeah. for business purposes. But does Flash run on Android devices? Android yeah. does everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like it's the geek's phone versus yeah. iPhone, which yeah. is yeah. The, yeah. The, the consumer's phone. Yeah. 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 I don't know where that leaves yeah. WinPhone 7, Colin. You know, I, I have many friends that attended really prestigious universities, and I'm not really one of them. But um, when I think of my MIT friends that graduate from MIT and when I think of my Stanford friends that graduate from Stanford, I see a very similar, like another parallel universe between Android and iPhone. I think iPhone is like the standard, like the Stanford smart and cool and simple. And MIT is the way smart, not exactly simple and not always cool, but it's just really like technically wow. It's geeky. It's geeky. Yeah, yeah but you can, you'll give an iPhone to your grandmother and you won't give an Android right. to your grandmother. So why is your right. father got one? What happened there? So, <laughs> no, this is actually interesting. So something did happen. He was unable to visit his favorite uh, YouTube uh, flash-driven uh, video site. And so he yielded all features and all... all uh, <laughs> Comforts, comforts, iPhone comforts. But then about a month later, he says, you know, I really uh, remember being able to plug in one wire and everything synced, including my Outlook PST file and all my music and everything, this, 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 and this. And apparently he wasn't real happy. And if this is a common problem with Android right now, and I don't know if it, maybe it was solved yesterday, I don't know. But um, so let's say that you have a PST file and you're not exactly comfortable with the thought of sharing your entire calendar with the cloud um via gmail via gmail so apparently um unless you're running your own exchange server if you're kind of uh on your own they want you to put it all up into the cloud which means that they retrieve five years of past history of your calendar your contacts and all your business relationships it's not like they're going to keep those files around for anything yeah who would do that? no no i don't think they would actually use it for other purposes and not even for you know well, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, so there's it's not a little, like they're watching your every move. <laughs> yeah, there's a little contention there, and, and it changed on. I just recently purchased the Atrix from Motorola and AT and T, and they have a different um, login. You go, you log in through Motoblur, but um, so on Verizon, you're going to log in, and you must have a Gmail account unless that's changed recently. Hmm. So you must have a Gmail account. You must expose your personal life to Gmail, and um, you know, I mean, what do yeah. I, I have nothing to hide. I live a very transparent life. I probably am overly transparent, but other people aren't as transparent and really would like to live private, quiet lives. No, this, yeah. Privacy is valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's too, too bad. Kevin isn't here to talk about the, the, the iPhone thing. Do you know about this, right? It was in the news a few weeks ago where, uh, I guess, uh, iPhone users, there was a, and on the iPhone, they were writing a log file of places that you had visited. Wow. And keeping that data for up to a year or more. And they said they weren't doing anything with it, but why was that file there? 
I think so, the official statement was something around the fact that they weren't tracking where people go, were going or where they were, but they just happened to have information on the towers that they were nearby. Yes, yes. I mean, isn't that pretty much very similar? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, that, you know, do we want to be... But the reality is that? we're all carrying devices now that can be tracked and, 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 and willingly. You know, there's a public record of Eric Schmidt making a statement about a year ago about your personal privacy. Do you know about this public statement? Yeah, the statement? one, get over it? Yeah. That one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't do things you shouldn't do, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. That's what I'd be interested to know if the audience feels like more threatened with Microsoft than with Google in terms of their personal privacy. Ah, that's an interesting question. Given that every phone was tracking your every move, would you rather be tracked by Microsoft, Google, or Apple? How many hands for Microsoft? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Maybe eight, nine, ten, eleven. Ten. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, Apple. One. One. <laughs> Google. <laughs> one, two, three, three four, five. five. All right. And how many don't want to be tracked at all? <laughs> that would be everybody. everybody. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. But and admittedly, we are at a Microsoft show, you know, for, for the most part, right. the bulk of the folks working in the Microsoft space. So, you know, you've already committed. You have a Lindos Live account. You've committed to a certain amount of information to Microsoft anyway. Oh, uh, no, just a point uh, about that information and especially about location for towers mm -hmm. and stuff. Phone carriers actually track that information. That is written down everywhere. Oh, uh, okay. So, so how many people here want to be tracked by Rogers? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. No hands for that. Right. <laughs> yeah, Rogers is the the Canadian the Canadian version of AT and T. I guess would be the fair hey, description. Hey, 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 Pretty much. hey. Except that's actually making fun of AT and T, isn't it? <laughs> uh, never mind. Since this is a, a UK, you, you mentioned the UK theme here. Yes. Did you know about the pending visit of the Kate Middleton and Prince, what's his name? Yeah, those guys. Yeah, those guy. two, yeah. Prince, what's Coming to Canada? Coming to Montreal. Oh, very yeah. nice. When? In July. Ah. Uh, yeah. When it's okay. hot here. Yeah. Really hot. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a little random. That's, yeah. Okay. It's happened before. Yeah. Well, maybe you should ask them which phone they have. That would be uh, relevant, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And okay. are they tracked? What's that? And are they tracked? Let's uh, do it instead of by hands. Let's do it by applause. How many people have a Windows Phone 7? Yay! How many people have an Android phone? That's a few more. How many people have an iPhone? That's How, How many, many people? people don't have a phone? One. Right. <laughs> or not a smartphone. How many have a have a, yeah non smartphone? In other words, a phone you can actually successfully make a call on. Yeah. yeah. How many people have Blackberries? Blackberries. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, we're in Eastern Canada. This that's is like right. Blackberry Central. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. So and and it's interesting we don't have a BlackBerry panelist here, but then that would imply that you could build software for the BlackBerry in any sense. Oh, <laughs> we asked the same question actually at the keynote at the beginning of this conference mm -hmm. of the week, and actually the, um, the Windows Phone actually won out slightly. And that, you might think, what's well, a Microsoft conference? That might be the case, but actually that's the first time doing one of these uh, a Microsoft related event with phone. I've done quite a few now in the last year. That a Microsoft Windows Phone has actually won out. Interesting. So it's kind of six months in. It's it started to you know the geeks are finally kind of taking hold. So let's talk about new features of Android, new features of iPhones, new features of Windows Phone. 
Um, the iPhone, we, we pretty much are used to having, you know, you get a new phone to get new features, and then they occasionally release updates and things. Android, I have no idea what goes on in that life. How often does uh, whoever updates Android for the phones, I mean, I guess it depends on your phone, does it not? Because every phone hardware manufacturer has control of their own OS. Or is yeah, it the carrier? I don't really know how to respond to that, but yeah. So yeah. basically you have the freedom to do anything. Most of the new Honeycomb stuff is really uh, tablet-driven. Most of the latest versions of phones, like the Atrix, are actually Gingerbread 2.3. Honeycomb Gingerbread? What are you talking about? I'm feeling hungry now, are you? Yeah. What? What's these are the different versions of Android. Carl, I thought you knew everything. No, I don't know. Okay. I have no so, idea. So here's, the, here's the, um, the, the path is that, so Windows OS has versions that we're at 7 right now. So this is essentially the Android OS uh, 2.x has a code name, a project name of uh, Gingerbread. And uh, 3.0 has a project name of uh, Honeycomb. And the, the essence of Honeycomb is to... Um, Optimize the OS for uh, tablets, and there's some interesting mm. things that happen there. <clears throat> Under um, Gingerbread 2.3 incorporates a lot of this stuff, but for the phone level. And I think that if I, I don't own a Sprint Samsung tablet, mm. but as far as I remember, it's not running Honeycomb. It's still based on 2.x. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's a good thing. That's the Samsung Galaxy. Samsung Galaxy. Yeah, which yeah. is a pretty cool-looking device. Yeah. Michael? Uh, yeah, the names are actually all frozen desserts. So, well, no, desserts. Desserts. So way back there was Donut, then Eclair, then Froyo, Gingerbread, Honeycomb. Uh, Froyo? What's Froyo? Frozen yogurt. Oh, okay. Frozen yogurt. <laughs> when are we going to get ice cream? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Focus on what's how many important. people want ice cream? <laughs> um, so, so how often do these up, big updates generally come around for Android you know, they phones? They come around frequently enough because just about the time that you finish authoring a book or a video, the new version is coming. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and can anybody that. update their phone, or is it controlled in some way? You know, I should know the answer to that question, and I haven't bothered to look into that. I've been right. actually replacing. Michael knows complete phones, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had Android phones since the G1, um, and it generally depends on the phone. Some of the manufacturers completely lock down the bootloader, right? Uh, so you can't do anything. Uh, some the Google developer devices, in particular, are more open, so you can actually just flash new images onto them. And there are a bunch of people who build who build new OS uh, images for for these phones. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, if the manufacturer doesn't update it, you you pretty much have to go and Get a new device. Or download or some hack. other image. I mean, it sounds yeah. like it's the hacker's phone anyway, so anytime you try much. and lock stuff down, there's somebody circumventing it. Uh, yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a thought about the earlier question that you brought up about the differences between each of the phones mm -hmm. and, a, and a relation to a, an actual story in my family, because our whole family's gone from Apple to Android. And an aunt, one of my aunts... Um, asked me a question and I, I looked at my phone and I looked at her phone and I looked at my phone and I could do things like set the uh, screensaver timeout to be like none, like forever keep the phone on or right. go for a long time. And I went to the same settings on her phone and it didn't have that option. It had a fewer list of other options. So it is interesting that all the phones are inconsistent in their mm. 
deployment of every flavor of, you know, thing. They're just, they have their, their own, they have the right to do everything. Is that not true? Uh, a lot, a lot of the manufacturers of the phones do actually tweak a lot of stuff. They replace right. the whole launcher. They, they change some of the software, add options, remove options, yeah. all sorts of stuff. They can do what they want. And is that the manufacturers or is that the carriers? Uh, both really. Right. Um, yeah. I think the manufacturers wouldn't care all that much, but the carriers would care. Um, they, they're trying to control what happens on their phone. It's it's generally the carriers that would put extra apps on, um, right. but the manufacturers would, you know, replace the whole like way that you launch apps. On yeah, phones, HTC for has their own UIs and yeah. stuff they like to use. So when it comes to development for Android, and uh, do what does it take to get started? And is it the same for every kind of phone, no matter what Android device you have? Can you just open up Eclipse and download some libraries and go to town? Or are there restrictions and licenses that you have to, you have to buy, a, you have to pay a hundred dollars and, you know, have a credit check yeah. first? Uh, what's okay. So I can just speak from my own personal experience and I'm sure it's going to be, um, a, you know, slightly, um, a different than Michael's. But so here's, here's my own experience is that uh, a few years back I finished an iPhone project and I went to an Android project. And so, um, I went through the process of, uh, of, uh, running on windows, um, not seven, but, um, Vista originally. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the project, I went to windows seven, uh, Sony Vial, just a whole new laptop. I went from a gateway laptop to a, uh, Sony Vial actually was employed by gateway at the release of Vista. And I can still see in my head gateway computers shipping these semi trucks for like three weeks. There was like a train of 18 wheelers that just never stopped on. This is just a random tidbit, but in uh, Irvine, California, um, every day, day in, day out, they were shipping when windows Vista came out, they sold a lot of computers, but hmm. um, so anyway, I bought one and then I, I switched to Sony Vio because of a different reason. And, um, so I'm on windows seven, then, um, just out of just randomness, I tried eclipse on the, on the apple and, um, I actually like it more on the Mac, on the Mac. And the reason is, is I think I'm going to have to do a little research on this cause I don't want to just assert a thing that right. appears to be a thing, but the IntelliSense on eclipse on the Mac works, but the IntelliSense on eclipse on windows seven randomly um, goes into la-la land, like as if it was looking in the Windows registry to answer a question or something. Hmm. And I don't know the answer to that because it's not repeatably. It's not, I yeah, can't yeah. repeat it consistently, yeah, yeah. but it consistently works on the Mac. But using uh, Android development on the Mac is like two steps forward and one step back because all the cool, simple things for deploying to a phone, testing on your phone, uh, you know, write your code, compile it and run on your phone. That's all based on, on the windows platform. I don't, I don't know of any on the Mac. You basically do command line stuff. You could write a batch file to do it, but and what's the cost of entry? Is there, uh, I think it's like a million dollars. Really? Yeah. 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 No, it's nothing. Everything's free. I don't think there's a license on, on okay, anything. So you don't have to register with anybody. Not or... that I know of. Yeah. But there's I, no really, is there any curation on the, on the, the Android marketplace? I don't even know what that word means. What does that mean? Is there That's somebody looking word. to see if you're not just writing viruses? 
Oh, when you deploy apps to, to the, to the to marketplace. The, okay. So when you deploy an app, you actually have more than one path to go. You could A, go to the marketplace. You could B, um, deploy it right to the phone. Depending on the phone that you have, getting an app on that phone is not the same. It's, there's mm-hmm. a, yeah. So, yeah. Now the, the threshold, if I, and I don't know this, maybe an Apple person can answer this, but as far as I remember, if I want to be, um, creating apps for the Apple market marketplace, don't I have to have like a done in Bradstreet's number and be maybe. a real company? Like a, I can't just be a hacker in a garage. I don't know. Michael knows the answer to that. Um, you pretty much just have to pay the yearly subscription to the Apple developer program, which is nine dollars a year and you need that to be able to sign your apps to get them onto the phone and once you've done that you can put them onto up to a hundred devices directly um, for testing um, but or you, you can have put to, them through the app store clear the apple sensor board though uh to put them through the app store like yeah two weeks it's like a two-week process. uh it 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 really depends um sometimes it's days yeah, answer this question because i'm like didn't pick it up he said it's a two-week process, right? Um, really yeah, it's, sometimes it can be that long. Sometimes it's 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 much quicker. And, and some folks are sometimes much longer too. I mean, uh, people yes. whose apps have just kind of they've submitted them and they just sort of <laughs> dis- five years later disappeared <laughs> into the ether. And you know, okay. you hear the horror stories. So so barrier to entry, Android very low. Very low. You just and and Eclipse is a free tool. So okay, so yeah, so Android is um, just simple. Um, it's I mean Android Garage is the code name for a users group for Android, and I think they did that on purpose. It's yeah. just to set this bar really, really, really low. Right. Say you know whatever you want to do, just go knock yourself out. Yeah. All right, so that's a little bit different from what we've experienced in Windows Seven, Phone Seven land. Maybe we should do okay. call and do the story of what's what do you do to set it up to get apps of the marketplace for phone seven. Well, okay, so you download the tools, and they're all free. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft is committed to making them free basically forever. And that's Studio Express and the SDK. Uh, it's Visual Studio 2010 for Windows Phone, right? Um, which installs as a separate standalone product. Um, if you have Visual Studio Pro, Premium, or Ultimate, it just adds another project type in there. Right. It also includes a copy of Blend, which is a designer tool mm-hmm. for free as well. Same story if you have Blend 4 integrates. Right. So that's all free. Um, and if you, you can start developing, use the emulator. And then if you want to actually start submitting to Marketplace, it's, uh, again, $100 a year. And, and a credit check. No, no, yes. no, no credit check. Yeah. Um, if you're an individual with Windows Phone Marketplace, all you have to do is uh, send in a copy of your driver's license to the, the okay. company that does the work. I had a much different experience than you did. Just, if, you're a comp- if you're a company? No, no, I just wanted to deploy yeah. a Windows Phone app on my phone. Okay. And in order to do that, I had to... I had to go through a check, basically, and answer questions about my mortgages and things. I, I'm not verify, sure which marketplace. It <laughs> to verify that I was who I was. Did they also tell you how that they had about $50 million they wanted to wire to your account at the same time? Yeah, no, I'm being totally serious. Really? I, that's, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so shocked, actually. Really. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the screen was up uh, that I had to, had to go and find all this information from my... For my credit history. So when was this? And as I left the screen up and went to the file cabinet to go pull it up, 15 minutes later, I came back to plug it in, and it had expired. So when was this? This was just uh, two or three months ago. Wow. 
Because I actually, I mean, I've, I've had to set up several accounts now. The last one was two yeah. weeks ago. And that was I, a I company account. An and they, yeah, and they didn't ask for anything, no GST number or nothing, mm. just information about the company. Hmm. Hey, um, Carl, does Canada rely on the uh, American credit systems like Experian and TransUnion? I'm, I'm an American, so therefore I know nothing about Canada. Yeah, I wonder, oh, I wonder if it right? might be the difference between the Canadian registration and the American registration. It could be that it's handled by, I mean, it's all done by GeoTrust at the moment for the most part, and they usually send you an email saying, hey, confirm your email address, or here's a piece of paper, uh, put a copy of driver license on it, and yeah, no, focus, I, I must and have send got it into the full us. pat down. <laughs> yeah, like, wow! Yeah, you you had the, the, the TSA, the TSA <laughs> pat down for your app. Okay. What's something that might, people might not know is when you've got your Windows Phone account set up, um, and usually, like when I've done it, it's taken two days to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I've submitted apps, it's take two days or less to get them through the process. Wow! And once you've got the account, you can upload, upload a measly three phones, but you can actually to actually send a message in and say, "I'm a serious developer. Or we have like 20 developers. Can you add more?" And they'll sure they'll do it. Okay. So the defaults to only three phones you can locally deploy on. Yes. But you can have that number raised. Yes, you can. Okay, that's interesting. And you do not need to go through the marketplace to get your app on your actual phone. On your on the phone that's unlocked through your account? No. Yeah, no. Okay. At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only $6.95. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of Happy.net Rocks listeners, Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net. I know we're running short on time, but I really want to talk a little bit about the mono droid, mono for Android side of things, Michael, because I find that whole idea fascinating that we could, as developers, build Android apps without having to deal with Eclipse and all those bits and pieces. Uh, yeah, so what we did there was that... Um, Monotouch was, was so successful... Um, that our customers started asking for the same thing on Android. Right. So they could build Android apps with, with C Sharp and reuse their libraries, reuse their business logic and so on mm -hmm. uh, across these platforms. And especially with Windows Phone as, as well. That's, that's three, three kinds of devices that you could share a lot, a lot of code across. Um, so we spent a, we, we spent a while Building that released it a couple of a cup a couple of months ago mm -hmm. after after a beta period. Um, so that gives you access to all of the native Android APIs from C Sharp. So it bridges through to Java, and it, your development environment can be Visual Studio. We mm -hmm. actually integrated it into VS 2010 with full debugging support, so you can just create a project, um, edit your code, build, run. It uploads it straight to the to the device. It's a really nice workflow. Sure. Uh, and you can debug it on the device, debug it on the emulator. And, and we also support MonoDevelop, uh, on, on Windows and on Mac. Right. So on Mac, you can actually have your MonoTouch and, Mo and Mono for Android projects in the same solution, or you can share those with Windows and also have a Windows Phone 7 project okay. in the same solution. I'm trying to think, think through this whole process now, because if you're running on the Mac, then obviously you're not working in studio. Uh, or you have your own set of development tools as well, right? Yes. Uh, yes, we have MonoDevelop, which right. uh, which I've worked on for the past few few years, mm -hmm. which is an 
IDE that runs on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Mm -hmm. It it supports developing quite a range of apps, ASP.NET, Monomac, GTK Sharp, uh, like any kind of .NET or Mono-based apps. Sure. In fact, on, on, on Windows, it actually runs on .NET and can target either .NET or mono. Nice. You you can just pick run debug with the mo- the mono debugger on Windows despite having built against .net for example. Mm-hmm. So we took that tool and built add-ins to simplify uh building iPhone apps and building Android apps. Um the iPhone version and mono- and monomac versions only run on the Mac because it depends on various parts of the Apple toolchain. Mm. But the Android version does does work on windows as well i'm curious what do i give up by having this broad reach with a set of tools what do i give up on any one platform anything um no we we bind all the apis uh that you would need i think the Um, big i mean everybody wants to be able to write once run on any phone it's a gorgeous idea the problem is that the uis are totally different right You, you you're getting to a different ui stack on each of the phones yeah, we don't believe that that write once run anywhere can give you a proper native experience on all the platforms. Right. So we believe that that the best solution is write libraries, business logic, yeah. models, and so on that you can share across all the devices right. while writing an app that uses that same code on each platform using the native APIs for the native experience. Yeah, I get that, that Robert. You know, yeah. So. Um, Tomorrow, there's a session on uh, cross-platform development with HTML5, and the instructor is super knowledgeable on that topic, but um, that's I'm teaching it. But I do want to say, <laughs> do want to say one thing about Michael. Um, Michael's uh, PowerPoint slide from his Monomac session, was anybody in that session? Yeah, a few hands. Oh, my gosh. I looked at this one slide, and if I had had this one slide, what he did is, now I want to go do it. I want to, I want to take what he did and, and extend it. <clears throat> he did a, a graph, like a, like a, a chart, a two-dimensional chart, and said, when you see syntax in C-sharp that looks like this, like call object.method.parameter, this is what it looks like in the Objective-C message notation that uses the square brackets. So... Has anybody just not ever opened up Xcode and Objective C? You've just never opened it up. Okay, well, it's about half half of the yeah. group. Okay, so remember the Apple Two Plus? Yeah. Remember the square brackets was the two. The two, yeah. The two. Okay. Steve Jobs then is Steve Jobs now, and square brackets and Steve Jobs go hand in hand. So <laughs> for some reason, there's this this. Um, and I have to tip off my hat personally. I would I would give a lot of credit to the way Objective C turned out because my first error when I looked at iPhone development was to assume it had the luxury of being built after Java, which is true about .NET. Yeah. .NET in- inherited all of uh, Go- what is it? James Gosling at Sun Microsystems. Yeah. He solved like ninety percent of the world's problems, and Microsoft is standing on the shoulders of Java. Now, Objective C is basically a C plus plus like um, peer. Yeah. So when you look at Objective C, you're actually building um, on a really low level um, with some really really the syntax. Once you know why it is, and, and I would encourage everybody to read this one slide before you crack open Objective C because he basically Michael says 
when you look at uh, C sharp and you say object dot method paren argument one argument two in objective C it looks like this and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's like Greek it's like Egyptian hieroglyphics the first <laughs> time you look at it but if you look at his slide it makes so much sense so fast that if I I mean he took like ten years of knowledge and put it into one second that's that's how I see it it's awesome wow. yeah. Cool. Sorry, I missed that slide, Michael. We're going to have to see it. So I was going to uh, yeah, say, the, I'm going to resell it for $100. <laughs> yeah, so the, you, what the, do you, here's a meatball question for you, Michael. What, you're going to, you probably get approached all the time by Java developers who say, well, Java and C Sharp are so close. They're all like the exact same language. Why would I, you know, why should I use? And I'd say, first of all, they're not. We have things like events and properties and link, lambdas, and then there are the great Class libraries, of course, um, there's link, there's all the web services stuff, mm. um, all class libraries that are familiar to .NET developers already, but mm -hmm. Java developers would find them very easy to use yeah. too. Um, so if they get to know them, um, for Android, then they, then they can take that knowledge over to iPhone and to Windows Phone yeah. as well via Monotouch, of course. That's great. I, just the, just the one more plug for this um, HTML5 cross-browser um, talk tomorrow. Okay. Um, Our listeners <clears throat> next week will really be interested in that. <laughs> um, it's, you know, you build an app, any app for an enterprise, into your whatever, whatever, whatever it is, a web or a, a Windows app, and there's this 80-20 rule that about 80% of your effort is the UI and about 20% of the effort is the, the really technical stuff. And if you could say that you can deliver through Ajax or HTML that 80% and it's rapid and it runs everywhere, that's really fascinating. It's an interesting, it's an interesting statement. And if you could say that, um, the other 20% is going to rely on native code and, you know, what, what are you going to, how do you not do that? You have to make some calls. Well, and, and in this session, I'm only doing a demo. Conceptually, it's the same on Windows phone, Android phone, Blackberry and, and, uh, whatever. But, um, so you can actually have iPhone. the, <laughs> the whatever part you can actually have your app be like the container and your app can actually call into the JavaScript functions and the JavaScript function can call out into the native functions. Right. Mm. So when you think about that, you know, it's maybe 90, 10, you can say you could do a lot, you could do 80% of your UI. 10% of your logic in JavaScript and just reserve that one 10%. And if someone like Paul Sheriff came out with a framework for mm. that, yeah. like a PDSA framework for mobile phones that was yeah. HTML5 or someone, maybe Richard and, and, and Carl come up with it. It won't be us. So if someone came out with a framework that was like an open source free thing, you yeah. could deploy apps so easily, so fast on a tablet or a phone. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, though, it's not going to feel like an iPhone app. It's not going to feel like a Windows phone app. It's not going to feel like an Android app. But there's an assumption that that's a goal. But anyway. Where does PhoneGap fit into all this? I, I was oh. just thinking about PhoneGap, actually. Great question. It was pretty close to a description of what, uh, what uh, Robert just gave there, that PhoneGap, we did a show on it a while back. Let's tell everybody what it is. Who doesn't know? I don't know what that is. Well, it's out of Vancouver, so it must be good. Uh, wow. Now i got to come up with some chest beating. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, the, the phone gap guys are basically working within the browser. They're, 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 it's a set of libraries that run within the browser that allow you to build cross-platform apps. But one of the key things is because the browser is not actually surfing uh, online, it's not stuck in the sandbox, so it's able to access the features of the phone. And they, they're definitely their vision is this right once run on any phone approach, and but, they're trying to take care of it. But they can't go off uh, online. Uh, they can't go online. It you has to be a self-contained. So it app. has to be a self-contained app. Yeah, you can write it once and run it anywhere, but it has no internet access. Wait, wait, what is that? I don't understand that. So, because so, under so Android, you can write it, let one just, application yeah. and run it on multiple phones, right. but it uses the browser as a local application that looks like a slick. When you know iPhone yeah. or Android app. Okay, let me split hairs for just a second. Um, so when you build an app, you can build an app that contains a web view control that then contains the, the UI. Right, or, you're going the other way around. Or yeah. you can build a browser-based app that's requiring a, a, a server, a web server. So right. I don't and PhoneGap is neither of those. It's a yeah. build a browser-based app that's able to call to the apply to the phone uh -huh. because it's not connecting online. It's out of the sandbox. But it does run in the local browser on the phone. Right. So okay, but I'm not, not exactly from sure. a website. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure it's if, installed if I understand like that. But on the and the demo that um, for tomorrow in that session on HTML5 with the cross-platform support, um, there's actually two windows in the sample app, and the top window is feeding off of a local folder that has HTML files. Right. So it doesn't need a connection. Yeah. And the bottom window is feeding off of a, like, go to Facebook, go to Google. Just It's actually surfing around. Yeah. And you can talk back and forth, and you can, you know, right. dom, get, you know, go back and forth. So just to make a point, um, I don't So anyway, whatever. Good point. <laughs> I like that point a lot. Yeah, so PhoneGap has limitations, and number one limitation is you can't go online. Yeah. I think what we're hearing is you can have, with HTML5, it's coming to Windows Phone as well. You can have you can have a, a, a kind of write once and have HTML5 in all these different devices. Yeah. And then you could call out, you can call out to the containing environment to see what capabilities yeah. are there. And you can uh, add location services. Like, that's one of the services that are available now across many platforms. That's mm -hmm. been standardized somewhat. Mm -hmm. Other things coming down the, the road, like other sensors and for, um, uh, local storage, all that stuff is coming down the road. Mm -hmm. um, so you will be able to write a HTML5 app, have it run on all these devices, the UI might not be as rich as you might want it to be or as optimized for those devices. Mm. So that's one limitation. Um, and so you have to kind of, you know, call out to the phone if it's there. The other way is you're talking about having like business logic, all that stuff, all written once, and then maybe having to have UI, just the UI on top. The problem is I think that people want to do it all in one stack. They're just lazy. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So if, you, yeah. if, you've, if you're already a .NET developer or uh, on Microsoft, you're obviously going to kind of say, well, if I can do that already, I'm just going to go for it, right? I think there's a laziness factor into exploring new stuff, unfortunately. I think this, the philosophical debate is... When I use lowest common denominator tools like HTML5 that's going to run equally on all the platforms, I build a lowest common denominator app yeah, right. and that I'm going to have my lunch eaten by the guy who's willing to build the platform-specific version of that app. I want to add one other ingredient to this. is actually taking it to the cloud part mm -hmm. because with a lot of these applications now, there's not a lot that necessarily runs on the phone. 
right? There's, you've got your database, you've got your local storage, you've got access to GPS. Everything that's really a, a, a intellectual property or important to you is actually now moving into the cloud. Right. So you, there really isn't, you know, somebody said, somebody said, I've got my Android app, or I've even, even got a WPF app. I want to put it on the Windows phone and we're using Silverlight. You know, can I reuse my UI? And I say, well, well actually, no, just take as many of the business objects as you can, port those across, and there's ways to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you're storing or accessing any service in the cloud, a lot of it's more the cloud service. Yeah. So if you make your cloud service interoperable or accessible, that's really the number one thing you can do. And then you just write different clients for the Back different... Back to building UIs yeah. again, right? Yeah. But that's the, that's the reality, really. I think that's yeah. what people are doing. Michael, what are you thinking? Uh, yes, I'd, I'd agree with pretty much all of that. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, when you're connecting to the cloud, you know, we have WCF on Android and right. iPhone. So the same technologies you're used to that's already. That's pretty compelling right that's there. Pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So the only gap you've got there is the UI part. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Fantastic. I think we're, I think we, that's a show. In a half an hour, the first game of the Stanley Cup starts. We better get out of here. Yeah. We killed. Just saying. These guys look mean. Yeah. Don't let the Montrealers miss up the game. Of course, the Habs aren't playing, but there's still a Canadian team in it. Hey, we'd like to thank you for listening to .NET Rocks, guys. Give it up. We'll see you next time. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a